0: The UK band Corner Shop, who had a hit with uh, Brimfall of Asha all in the 90s, were incorporating sitars into their huh. rock music. They did a wonderful cover of Norwegian Wood, was which is fun. the very first uh, rock song which had sitar on mm-hmm. it, uh, George Harrison's first sitar. They did a cover of it, but they did the lyrics in Punjabi. And those cultural mixings and those hybridities are what fascinate me. You're listening to Speaking of Language a podcast recorded
1: at the Language Resource Center at Cornell University. I'm Dan Gable, Technology Manager for the LRC. Each week, we explore a topic related to language pedagogy and second language acquisition. This week, on Speaking of
2: Language. We speak with Daniel Bass of Cornell's South Asia program and host of WRFI's Monsoon Radio about music, cultures, and languages.
3: Welcome to a new episode of Speaking of Language. I'm Angelica Kramer, the director of the Language Resource Center at Cornell University.
2: And I'm Sam Lupowitz, the LRC's media development manager. Uh, Today, we welcome Daniel Bass to the studio. Dr. Bass is the manager of the South Asia program and adjunct assistant professor of anthropology and Asian studies at Cornell. He is also the host for a local radio show called Monsoon Radio. And we will talk about music across cultures today.
3: Welcome to Speaking of Language, Daniel.
2: Thank you both for having me. It's a pleasure to be here.
3: Before we start talking about your interest in music and music across cultures, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself? What's your story, what's your path, your experience with different cultures and languages?
0: To put it short, I am, as you mentioned, the manager of the South Asia program here at Cornell. I've been here for nearly three years. Um, I was trained as an anthropologist doing work in Sri Lanka and South India. I got first interested in South Asia when I was an undergraduate and I went on a study abroad program to Sri Lanka hmm. and fell in love with the place and then traveled around India mm-hmm. uh, for six weeks on my own. And I uh, came back, and got fascinated by it, went to graduate school, um, wanted to pursue studying about South Asia some more. I started learning Tamil, which is a Dravidian language of South India. It's spoken mm-hmm. by about 70 million people around the world. Um, and to do research in Sri Lanka on uh, Tamil tea plantation workers, whose ancestors had migrated from South India in the late 19th and early 20th century. Mm-hmm. And Tamil is the minority language of Sri Lanka, and I also wanted to learn Sinhala, the majority language hmm. of Sri Lanka. And Sinhala is uh, an Indo-European language, but the only place where it is taught in north america actually the only place where it is taught in this hemisphere is here at cornell yep, yep. and <laughs> when i was in graduate school in the 90s I actually came to ithaca uh, oh, for okay. a summer to take singola when it was offered here at uh-huh. that point I had a wonderful summer in ithaca and then many years later when i was offered the job i thought this was a beautiful place uh-huh. in uh july and august <laughs> yes <laughs> I yeah, lo and, behold. <laughs> <laughs> and i lo- wanted to live here year round so i came back and so um one interesting thing is very much in doing anthropology is learning the local language, but mm-hmm. especially in a place where language has been the main source of ethnic conflict and civil mm-hmm. war, to be able to speak the language on both sides yeah. Is, yeah. is helpful.
3: So this radio show that you uh, host, Monsoon Radio, how did you end up doing that, and what's what, what what's your path with music and your interest in music?
0: Well, I was interested in music long before I was interested in South Asia, uh-huh. going uh-huh. back to high school, record collecting, and going to basement punk rock shows. And when I was an undergraduate, I was heavily involved with the radio station there. Um, this was in the early 90s, the grunge years, and it was a wonderful time to be involved in college radio. Mm-hmm. And... I was music director of the station there and very had a weekly show mostly playing indie rock. And that was when I was starting to get interested in South Asian. I was mm-hmm. getting into some South Asian music, usual entry points uh, like Ravi Shankar and Nusrat Fateh Ali Khan. And some of the releases on Peter Gabriel's real world label and mm-hmm. uh, David Byrne's Luwakabop. Some of the first um, world music to kind of enter into the American marketplace in the 90s. Um, but then when I went to graduate school at the University of Michigan, um, I became a fan of a show there called Sounds of the Subcontinent, mm-hmm. and the student who was hosting that show was leaving to go do her dissertation research and needed mm-hmm. a sub. Okay. And so I went on, and I was I was wanting to study more about South Asia, so I came as someone who's like fascinated about South Asia, and I was spending my time learning about South Asian history and culture and language and religion. And... You know, religion was and music was just an extension Mm -hmm. of that. So I was in education on air, and that's been twenty-some years Mm -hmm. of doing that. So,
3: do you play an instrument yourself?
0: No, I am utterly incapable of playing really much of any musical (laughs) instrument myself. This is all living vicariously through others. I played trumpet for a year in fourth grade. Uh, (laughs) My daughter is an amazing piano and keyboard and viola Mm. player. My so as a percussionist, I'd love to, you know, I'm happy that they're playing. I list other people's, uh, playing, I can operate the mixing board. That's my contribution, but no, I'm not a musician myself. So this is very much a fan's appreciation.
2: Well, so, so I'm interested. You sort of answered the, the follow up line of questioning that we were going to do mm-hmm. about how, uh, your interest in music and, and your interest in South Asian language and culture intersected. Um, so I'm wondering music being a a big part of my background um you talked about your one of your entry points musically being through or western artists who were promoting or integrating uh south asian music and other world musics um i feel like when sometimes when we get into western artists who sort of adopt uh the music of other other cultures it can be something new and exciting and different but there can also be a little a little bit of tension around the robbing of a culture and that sort of thing i I know like i i you'd mentioned peter gabriel i think more of like paul simon with graceland and that sort of thing um and i'm it's a very open question. But yeah, I'm no, if you have I think perspective you can't on that.
0: rob, you don't rob a culture, but you can clearly rob musicians. The mm-hmm. problem with Graceland was because he didn't pay the people.
2: Oh uh, well, there's mm-hmm. that. And <laughs> also, it's an issue
0: of copyright going back to someone like Led Zeppelin doing blues artists and not sure. crediting Willie Dixon for it. One thing that Peter Gabriel, for example, is really good is not only crediting the musicians in liner notes, crediting them as authors and providing the royalties and those things. Like yeah. that is the key. You know, nobody owns culture. Sure. It is something, especially music, is something that's always a history of being hybrid and a lot of movement, and it moves faster than people do. Mm -hmm. But one of the key things is uh, who's getting paid and how they're getting paid. And so I think that is the way to show respect for another culture, to treat people as collaborators. Mm -hmm. And so I think some of the better Western artists who've done that have been much more long-term. I think, you know, George Harrison is an example Mm -hmm. of doing that of later involvement, though there are some Beatles tracks like The Inner Light and Within You Without You where it is a bunch of Indian musicians who were not credited. That was yeah. not the case in the late 60s. In his later work, in his solo work in the 70s and 80s, he did yeah. much have much more direct involvement and credit them. But his you know, interest and passion was kind of one of the earlier uh, uses of world music. And one of the interesting things is that Starting in the 90s, you started to see music by people of Indian heritage in the West, Mm -hmm. incorporating them. So one example is uh, the UK band Corner Shop, who had a hit with uh, Brimfall of Asha. Um, But they, very long in the 90s, were incorporating sitars into their rock music. They did a wonderful cover of Norwegian Wood, which is the very first uh, rock song which had uh, Indian musicians on it, with a sitar on mm-hmm. it, uh, George Harrison's first sitar. They did a cover of it, but they did the lyrics in Punjabi. Huh. Oh, and wow. And so, like, these back and forth. And those cultural mixings and those hybridities are what fascinate me. Yeah. More than, like, a sense of a pure culture or kind of folk recordings. Sure. It's these interesting mixes. And it went back to the 1960s So a, and 70s, so there's a lot of Indian film music. Just as these Western rock musicians were interested in India these Indian film musicians are bringing in guitars and, uh-huh. and uh, Western rock sounds yeah. into them. Um, and so you have these kind of fascinating hybrids forming and, you know, on the basis of decades of yeah. cultural mixing.
3: That's so cool. So uh, last night, actually, just very fortuitously, I was looking for a new Netflix show to watch and I had mm. 20 minutes and it needed to be a short one. And I came across the show Explained. I don't know if either of the two of you know about the show. Mm-hmm. And the first episode is actually Explained Music. Oh. And they talk about um, the fact that every culture has music in some way, shape or form. And that music really, um, other than language, right, is, is one thing that, that unites Um, cultures and that is similar in different cultures Mm -hmm. and one thing that they talked about that was fascinating to me is that um, while we all share music and appreciation for music and while um, the intersection of of music and language is actually a very close one um, there are cultural differences and they mention an example of um, in western cultures the major scale usually invokes like happiness right It's, Mm -hmm. it's it's a positive type of vibe that you get off that but, in Balinese culture, um and they they played mm-hmm. a sample of this. Um, it's actually a song that's associated with um, cremation ceremonies. That is so interesting to me. Do you have more like examples, or can you think of um any uh, like differences, you know, in some of the music that you've encountered, some of the um music that you'd like to listen to, or maybe something that you've played on on your radio show? where you personally notice like differences or something that was unexpected maybe or something where you learned something about a different culture?
0: Well that's very interesting that I think you know that interest also that difference of you know the scales in the Bengali cremation I'm totally thinking off the cuff here it might be something of assuming that you know a funeral is necessarily a sad event but mm-hmm. it also can be a celebratory event sure, where you're sure. celebrating someone's lives. Um something specific like that I have to be honest I don't know because yeah. I don't know. I don't hear major. I don't know. Can't read music. I don't know what a major <laughs> scale or minor scale sure. is. I don't. I can't hear the key of something. Yeah. Right. I, I know about as much when uh, Raga's is explaining it's in a beat in Tintal, which is a cycle. I think Tintal is about 14 beats or something. It's a 16 beat cycle as much as something's in, yeah. you know, uh, uh. seven, four time in the key of G. Like uh-huh. both of those are, I have a limited knowledge so i see them very equally so sure, in some sure. ways my lack of musical ability allows me to be um see some listen to this music without those preconceptions in mm-hmm, the form mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so i'm not as much interested in the form
3: yeah, yeah of yeah.
0: the music um i'm sure there are so, all sorts of things
3: like that oh but, i bet yeah um you know, i don't know any of those <laughs> a lot of it is you
0: know some of it is also how um you know i listen to some like religious music but i'm mm-hmm. not follower mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. that so you know playing like uh um pakistani or indian kawali music which is sufi devotional music um which provides a very different experience if you are a believer mm-hmm. and sure, if you understand sure. the words yeah and for me as someone if i'm hearing something or something sung in urdu i don't understand the lyrics mm-hmm. but i can still feel the emotion mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so for me i listen to a lot of music that is sung in a different language but i can still understand it and i find a very similar to listening some noisy rock in the 90s where you can barely hear the vocals yeah. over the distorted guitars, but you can still feel the emotion sure. that they're singing. And, you know, I approach South Asian music, you know, world music where I don't know the language in the same way. So mm-hmm. it's more about conveying the emotion through a song. Like, you can tell if you don't know the language what's yeah. a love song, for example, or mm-hmm. kind of the power of, of devotion. Um, in terms of those kind of more formal things of something in another context, I'll probably think of something uh, after I leave the studio
3: <laughs>
0: but at the moment i um I can't think of anything and I wish I could uh, had a good answer for you because that's a really good question
2: well and you're you're talking about an experience like uh, something that i I'm, and I am fairly musically literate. I have experiences with that where I can appreciate the music outside of its intended context mm-hmm. i mean i think of of like I love gospel music, it hits me right in the heart. And I'm like, a you know, an agnostic Jewish kid from the suburbs. Like, I have no connection to that outside of loving the music, uh, the, uh, even though it's it's meant as devotional music. Um, so I'm interested in that. And we're talking a lot about cultural commonalities where where music is a meeting place for you know, emotional needs, regardless of where it's from, um, as opposed to the the differences. And I, I remember I, I had a professor... In my undergrad, who uh, sort of went out of his way to challenge me on my preconceived notions of music as being sort of a, a harmonizing force and a unifying force, and and uh, tried to show me examples of music being used as a you know, battle cry and as a weapon. So, mm-hmm. so I'm I'm interested in those opposing forces as music mm-hmm. as unifier and music uh-huh. as antagonist.
0: Yeah, and there's sometimes on when I'm doing my show on WRFI, where I'm kind of interested in the culture and the history of the music, mm-hmm. and I'm kind of explaining behind it how they use. It. And other times, the times I just play a song, and it's you know it's got a good beat, and you can mm-hmm. dance to it, mm-hmm. yep. and yep. Uh, appreciate it for its musical qualities as much as anything else. Yeah. Um, so some of it is also. But trying to be, you know, provide a little bit of context, provide, I'm not, I know the audience for my show is not people familiar with Mm -hmm. South Asian culture. Mm -hmm. It's a broad audience. Most people are tuning in because they're just interested in new sounds. Uh And uh, that is generally the mission of uh, community radio. And so provide something that's not available elsewhere. So I play a mix from all over South Asia. So I'll play some music from India next to something from Pakistan next to something from, you know, the U.S. or the U.K. or from the diaspora, I sometimes would go play some Central Asian music or Southeast yeah. Asian music or uh, or um, Arabic music. Of trying to mix this all up and finding these connections uh-huh. um, based on some certain theme or idea. So there's some shows where I'm much more thinking of trying to provide something more kind of educational and a cultural path. Okay. Um, remember one I did uh, just last year, I think, uh, to celebrate Nauru's. Which is the Persian New Year, mm-hmm. and I played music from every as many cultures as I count that ce- that celebrated Nauru hmm. and it was mm-hmm. so it was a lot of both well, not only Persian speaking but many uh, Central Asian like uh you know Turkmenistan, Tajikistan, Kazakhstan Kyrgyzstan, mm-hmm. Uzbekistan uh, over to Azerbaijan um, parts of Pakistan, and just kind of finding you know this using this holiday as this excuse yeah, to kind yeah. of find these connections. Mm-hmm. Among among various cultures, and so sometimes I will have some theme that kind of brings it all together. Uh-huh. Other times, it's just you know I got this new LP and it's really good, and I want to <laughs> play some more from it.
3: Yeah, yeah. The the connections between uh, cultures and and music are are interesting. Um, one other thing that's fascinating for me is. Uh, the connection with, with uh, language and music sometimes when you, um, when you struggle with language. So we know this uh, when people, you know, parts of their brain don't function anymore and they can't speak. They can sing the language. And that's just so, so interesting to me. So a lot of people who um, have uh, problems with speech and they go through therapy, music, music helps them. Find their voice again. Find their language again.
0: Yeah, and I guess it's you know probably some neurologist can tell you it's a different part of the brain exactly. or something it is, like it that. Is, yes. But <laughs> it's just how much that you know. I can sing along to uh, songs in languages I don't speak, and I yeah. know them. And you know, it's I might not necessarily know the words, and I realize I've often misinterpreted them. But mm-hmm. you know, I've misinterpreted plenty of English language oh, rock yeah. lyrics We've all been in my life. There. <laughs> <laughs> So, so I think there might, you know, there's there's definitely something to that, and it provides yeah. this kind of different window into a culture through kind of language and music. Then it's accessible to everyone, and so even if mm-hmm. you don't speak it, you get some feel for it in a way yeah. you might not otherwise.
3: So, do you have a specific cultural region that's your number one for music, or you don't, you you can't narrow it down to one? Might be a tough question. <laughs> I go through it's
0: it's often I go through phases uh, of and, like what I've been you know getting in you know I'll get into something and discover some artists and be very interested mm-hmm. in that. So whether it is there's some of their go-to favorites. The uh, Hindi film composer R D Burman was uh, in the 60s and 70s very popular. Incorporated a lot of rock and then later funk into his music. His mm-hmm. wife was Asha Bosley. And the most famous Indian playback singers. The Tamil composer Ilya Raja, who was in the 70s and 80s and into the 90s, very prominent, and he started bringing in a lot of, like, kind of electronics and synthesizers into mm-hmm. it. Um, but also on that line, Ananda Shankar, who did some film work in the early 70s, nephew of Ravi Shankar. Um, and then there's, like, this uh, la- label from the UK in the early 2000s called Outcast that had a lot of, kind of, the Asian underground, as mm. it was called. And it was at this moment where a lot kind of like British dance culture, the rhythms, especially jungle, started mirroring Indian rhythms. So there'd be these electronic artists like Nitin Sani or Bad Martian Tree um, who's could, using electronic rhythms, but they sounded like Indian rhythms, but they were also kind of a hit in the British clubs. Hmm. Um, so these those are often my go-to favorite things. But then... Suddenly I will discover things like when I discovered this new artist last year called grand tapestry, who is a hip hop trio from Los Angeles, which huh. includes a rapper, a sarod player and a tabla cool. player. And huh. basically combining Indian classical music with hip hop. And it's, it shouldn't work. The combination <laughs> yeah, one of those, that's but it's awesome. But it's, yeah, it's yeah, awesome. So some, some of these things are just, you know, I will discover something or I did a show, um, earlier this month, um, on uh, Indian j- Indian influences on jazz. Huh. And I discovered the work cool. of uh, this Jamaican saxophonist, Joe Harriet, and John Mayer, who is an Indian pianist, not the contemporary <laughs> rock musician. Yeah. Um, and they had these two records called the Indo Jazz Suites in the mid 60s that are just huh. amazing mix of uh, uh, Indian sounds and jazz. And like the way that improvisation in jazz and Indian classical music yeah. combined wonderfully well and so it's just this like i went down this ra- rabbit hole for uh-huh. weeks of just these finding new combinations and the internet is remarkable and yeah. uh-huh. what is available now um rather than uh you know searching through uh, dusty bins and record stores as yeah. i did decades ago and still do today actually
2: <laughs> yes let's say one of our listeners wants to tune in to monsoon radio uh can you let them know what's what's the best way for them to listen
0: The best way to listen to is if you're in the Ithaca area every other Tuesday night on WRFI 88.1 FM. You can also stream it online at WRFI.org. The past few weeks of shows are archived as well. So if you didn't hear me like last night, you can go and listen to it online. That's the links are at WRFI.org. You can also follow me online. I have a Facebook page. It's Monsoon Radio WRFI all one word um and there i post information about the show post information about other south asian musical events going on in the ithaca area and i post the playlists of all my shows afterwards so you can go and find the artists
3: Nice. this is so interesting
0: uh,
2: i love this this is my i could
0: sit and talk about this i could could too it's like uh this is my hobby that's the other thing i forgot to say is that i actually went to grad school thinking i wanted to study popular culture huh Uh, in South Asia. Then I realized that the academic study of popular culture takes all the fun out of it. (laughs) (laughs) What's great about popular culture is it's immediate. And, you know, academia is all about distance. Mm -hmm. It's about getting distance in perspective and then distance because if you submit something for publishing, it appears in a journal two to three years later. And I realized that I wanted to use my um, kind of language and knowledge to study something more important. So I looked at issues of kind of politics and identity and diaspora and citizenship, but I could have a hobby. And so radio has been my hobby in a way to understand South Asia in a very immediate way. And that has been a pleasure. Glad to share it with all of you.
2: Fantastic.
3: Perfect. Well, Daniel, thank you so much for joining us today on Speaking of Language.
0: You're welcome. It's been a pleasure to be down here and to talk to you.
3: Next week, we will speak with Sarah Lee. Sarah is a lecturer in German at Arizona State University and is also certified K-12 and dyslexia therapist. We will talk to her about how to best support dyslexic learners in the second language learning process. Until then, auf Wiederhören!
1: The Language Resource Center is located on the ground floor of Stimson Hall on Cornell's main campus in Ithaca, New York. Check us out on the web at lrc.cornell.edu or look for Cornell LRC on Facebook and Twitter. Speaking of Language is produced by Sam Lupwitz and Dan Gable. Recorded by Sam Lupwitz. Original music by Sam Lupwitz, Dan Gable, and Joe Gibson. Thanks also to the College of Arts and Sciences at Cornell University. As a reminder, the ideas and opinions expressed on this podcast do not reflect those of the College of Arts and Sciences or any other official entity of Cornell University. We thank our listeners, and do stay tuned for our next
3: episode.